Uh, Jack, Jack, quick moment of your time, please. How does it feel to finally discover the Villa Talks podcast? Um, best day of my life. Great, there you have it. Back to you at the studio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast, another episode of the Late Night Ramble. I'm joined by a special guest today, Kian Caron. How are you, mate? Omar, great to be uh, with the podcast this evening. Um, it's an honour uh, and a privilege to be here. <laughs> it's an honour and privilege to have you, mate. Good to have you. Cheers, man. It'll be, be a good one today. I'm really looking forward to it. We've been talking about this for a few weeks yeah. now. Yeah, uh, yeah, on, yeah, on and off. So it's good. It's good to finally have you on. And uh, I, I, I have asked a few lads to come on with me, but they, uh, they kind of, um, they chickened out of it. So uh, it's just me <laughs> and yourself. But we'll make we'll, the best of it. Yeah, we're fine. We'll get them on next time. Don't worry. We'll yeah, get them yeah. on next time. But no, it should be a good one. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the Arsenal game, obviously coming mm, up on Sunday. Mm. Um, talking about uh, a bit more about what Keane does as a job. Uh, because it's quite interesting and definitely relevant mm. to football, uh, so that should mm. be a good one. And then, and then, obviously, we're going to be talking about Keane's favourite ever Irish players as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, can't miss an opportunity to do that. Jack Grealish <laughs> is not going on the list. I've already said. Jack's not going on it. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, obviously, we're going to do another round of Didier Six. Um, so it should, should be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that's the bit we we're most excited about obviously yeah um but yeah we've had 11 things going didn't six or it into room 101 it, 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 is it going to be it's going to be didier three and then didier, didier six, three that, yeah yeah, yeah. didier well it's changed so the first time we did it we had uh ash stevens did it and he had six different things but it's quite difficult to come up with six things i think it is so it is actually it is, yeah i thought it'd be yeah. easy but it, but it really really wasn't so you'll get you'll get two points for each uh each thing that you get in so that's Hello. the way we'll do it now we still have 60 seconds, so that, that'll be a good one. But um, right. I suppose before we start, uh, what, what, what's been your thoughts on the season so far and, and obviously the last couple of games? Yeah, it's um, it's been a really weird one, hasn't it? Like, you know, obviously the buzz of the, the, the first four wins and then, you know, you take a bit of a nosedive in, in, in the last two games. But, I mean, like in terms of the performances, if you take the results out of it, I think the performances have generally been really, really, really encouraging. Um, you know, defensively, even in the in the two defeats, Omar, like the two defeats, we I think we've been reasonably okay defensively. Um, it, the Leeds game, you look at it, it was so tight. The first goal goes, it was on a knife edge, really. It was one of those games like that, you know, the first kind of, the first team to score was, was mm. probably going to win the game. I didn't expect us to kind of collapse the way we did, which was a little bit disappointing. But, um, yeah, and, and to be fair, like, I, I know it's not, everybody kind of, like, doesn't go and doesn't rate the expected goals kind of thing. But if you look at the expected goals, Leeds were the only team to actually outperform us on that. Um, in, in all six of the games so far, so mm. um, that that was you know you can't say that we didn't not deserve to to be beaten. We did like, but it was so tight. And then the Southampton game, like <laughs> you know, like it was just one of those games where you're like you, you just couldn't believe what you were seeing. It was just sappy. It was like it was like Villa of of old last season and like the bad Villa where it was just like they were getting done by really naive defending and, and sloppy defending um, but but at set pieces like it was it, you know you don't want to dig um, Douglas Louise out he was you know he's, he, he's been 
absolutely sensational, really, since since coming back from lockdown. But um, to to give the the two free kicks away that he did um, right in front of goal with somebody like War Prowse like that, it was it was just it was disappointing because yeah, that's like giving War Prowse a penalty basically. Um, so yeah, those two. I mean, look. I know I was joking about it earlier on on, on, on Twitter in the season. They're like, we're going to win all 38 games of the season. There's <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it's probably good to get that reality check in quickly, like, um, because obviously, in reality, we, we weren't going to, you know, no. continue to, to, to just win games like that. But I mean, like, take the Liverpool game. The Liverpool game, to me, even though we played really well, was actually a, a bit of a mix of the defeats it, it, like it was like nearly a reverse engineering of the defeats to Southampton and Leeds because that game was just against Liverpool it was just so end to end um, and it just felt like every shot that we took went in you know it was obviously deflect the goals but on top of that we really did play well and we defended well generally um, so I mean yeah it's it, it's it's been it, what it's been a complete villa start to the season. Do you know what I mean? In terms of that yeah. topsy turvy nature, um, yeah. you know, you, you just you just can't expect, um, you can't expect anything awful at the minute. It's just it, it's either you know, it's one or the other. Um, in terms of is it going to be an unbelievable performance or is it going to be a, like a poor kind of defeat? Um, but in general, like I, I was looking at just ahead of the, the, this preview, I was looking at the the expected goals. I'm, I'm a, I am a fan of it. And I think we're up to about. I think we're like sixth in the expected table, and in terms of expected points, which is which is quite good. I think we're and we're currently in eighth, um, with a game in hand. So, I think we're where we are on the table is where we probably in and around where we deserve to be. Maybe a little bit higher. Um, the the expected goals, I think, um, against. I think we're performing really, really well. Um, so when you consider that we conceded seven in the last two games i think is probably a little bit unfair on us and um, at least in terms from open play um, and yeah. so we just need to really sort out that 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 set piece defensive issue yeah. and i think that, you know that naivety that you're talking about um mm. is, a, is a good point i think you know um definitely was prevalent in the southampton game you know you mentioned mm. there Douglas louise and you're right I mean, he's been fantastic since he's come back from lockdown and he, and he definitely got for that, um, for the was it the first free kick? He got caught on the wrong side, and and the, and, mm. and really, I don't think he was helped too much by Barkley and McGinn as well in that whole game uh, in terms of defensively. Yeah, I mean, and that goal, um, I think he was he was complaining directly after he conceded the free kick, where it was like Barkley and McGinn were were kind of they were too far apart in midfield, and it was just a straight ball, you know, through the midfield. Caught and then then Louise was caught on the wrong side and obviously had to foul him to take him down. Otherwise, he would have had a free shot. So you you kind of like you, sometimes you yeah you don't blame him as such. But yeah, I mean I feel like we've we've been a little bit um a little bit sort of I'm not going to say poor in midfield. I, I think you know McGinn definitely not saying poor. I think we've been okay in midfield. Um, Barkley for me is definitely addition um i don't know I, I i don't know in terms of his defensive work if we see too much out of him we still depend probably a little bit too much on mcginn and louise to do the donkey work um and y you know basically keep teams at bay to an extent um but yeah mcginn I, I don't know what your thoughts are on mcginn but mcginn's kind of like he, he's 
he's either at the minute he's either absolutely top class and you know the old you know sort of McGinn of old in terms of like yeah. just rolling around the field and, and just being an, an absolute like hellraiser uh, to just being kind of a little bit nondescript and, and a little bit anonymous where you, you just he can't seem to get in the game it's it's frustrating with him yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he's definitely blown hot and cold. You know, he started off, I thought the first game against Sheffield United, he was very poor. Um, and, you know, you know, you sort of let him have that one. He's still sort of coming back from, mm. from fitness, really. I don't think we saw the best of him after lockdown. But then, since then, he's been really good against Liverpool and against Fulham. He was fantastic. And against Leicester, I thought he was probably up there for man of the match alongside Conza. But these last two mm. games, I don't know if it's been him and Barkley or so much as the the shape and the formation that we've played because i think he McGinn's played really well when we've played two sitting when we've played four two three one and barkley is a number 10 and i think that's allowed louise uh, a bit of more protection alongside oh. him uh, and the defense has been a bit more solid because of that because really i think we i mean we did a podcast uh, just before the game against leeds and obviously that's the way it goes but we were talking about how good our defense is and then we've conceded two seven goals in the next two games but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, we were talking about how a lot of the uh uh, the defensive work has come from our midfield and mm. the fact that McGinn, Louise, Barkley, Trezeguet, Grealish have been doing so much in defence mm. in terms of interceptions and tackling and mm. closing off passing lanes, etc. that the defenders have actually haven't had to do that much def- that much defending rather than just good show. anything they've had to do is clearances really. And then that's completely mm. flipped now to the Leeds game, which I thought was a bit more, bit of a one-off. Like it was mm. one of the Leeds, that, that, that kind of team where if they're on form, they're on fire then they can do that to a team. And obviously we mm. made it, we made that game for them because we, we tried to match them in terms of the way that we played, which I think just played into their hands. Southampton game, again, you're talking about XG and, and you know, with me, I'm with XG, I, I'm a bit, not uh, reluctant to use it, but I see the merits of it, but only in the right situations. Mm. And I think as, actually the Southampton game is the right situation because what mm. you saw there was them not creating much in open play, as you mentioned. Like, d- defensively, generally, we were pretty good open play. There, it wasn't too much in it between the two teams. It was just the naive defending was giving away stupid fouls, you know, targets foul against Walker Peters, Cash's handball, Louise's foul, all in really, really dangerous areas. When we know going ahead of that game, they've got Ward Prowse in the team, who's probably the best technician, mm. best free kick taker in mm. probably the Premier League. Mm. Uh, and for us to to make those fouls and not think about that is is quite naive. And you know, hopefully, looking ahead now, we can sort of get that. You know, we we for the last eight or nine games before that, we haven't really had that kind of naive defending. To then mm. have it back in and almost be like we were a year ago is concerning slightly. But hopefully, we've got it out of our game. Yeah, I, I I would love to get your kind of thoughts as well on, you know, in terms of the performances, they seem to kind of, and as they should, the tactics kind of feel like they change, um, you know, for the Leeds game and to an extent for Southampton, we kind of went toe to toe with them. And, you know, these two teams are, like, notorious for their high intensity, their pressing, their counter-pressing. And it just felt like, you know, it felt like we played into their hands a little bit. And even yeah. though, you know, the Southampton game, the Southampton game was, was a bit of a weird one, a bit of a one, once-off in terms of, you know, how poorly we were at set, poor we were at set pieces and, and conceded like that. But um, the Leeds game in particular, you were just like, why go toe-to-toe with them? It just reminded yeah. me of, it reminded me of um, a, a game, Liverpool and Chelsea, um, the, the, the famous um, Stevie G slip game where like yeah. they didn't need to win that game. They just need all they needed was a draw, but they went toe to toe with Chelsea and like you know went, not toe to toe, but they, they they like 
you know, played into Chelsea's hands and obviously Mourinho suckered him. And, and, and that's what I felt like we did with Leeds. It was just like, why you go to it? Sit back, soak it up, do what Wolves do and, mm. and, and hit them on the break. Use your pace, use your tactical nous that we do have in abundance. Um, yeah. So that was the, that was the disappointing thing for and, and like, you know, Smith is a, is a he's a clever coach. He, he's not he's not stupid. Like do you know what I mean. But sometimes he does make these kind of weird tactical errors that I feel like you know what I mean. I, I'm just look. I, I'm, I'm a professional coach. Don't know all that much about tactics. But just from the naked eye, you're looking at it going, should he have done that? And you're just it's it's easy it's easy to make that that call. And in, in hindsight, though, I do realize that. But um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely, completely agree with that. I think, you know, uh, we were talking before the Leeds game, we were previewing, we were talking about, you know, we need to look at Wolves, the way that they played as a template to how we can play and how we can beat Leeds. Because you, you have to deny them space and that's the best mm. way to beat Leeds. Uh, and then I, I was the same after the game, we were talking about, you know, why did we play 4-3-3? Why didn't we play two sitting? Why didn't we, you know, try and tidy up the lines between the defence and midfield and the midfield and the attack rather than leaving ourselves wide, wide open? And same with Southampton again, the same, we played that... Only we only started playing well when McGinn came back and dropped back and Markley went to number 10. And again, you were thinking, why did we do that from the beginning? It seemed really apparent. And we did do that against Leicester and we did really well. And again, with Leeds, I don't want to go over the Leeds game too much, but you mm. saw how Leicester played against them. And, and they did it slightly differently to, to Wolves in terms of they, obviously, they sort of set traps up really high up the pitch and, and they broke really quickly, but still they denied them space. And, and you could see that to the naked eye. I mean, I think these days fans are a lot more intelligent uh, than what they were, say, 20 years ago, because there's so mm. much information out there, so many games that you yeah. watch, that you can watch, that you you know you start picking up things, you start to learn. And this is the whole point of this show, actually, the Late Night Ramble, the whole idea behind the podcast was actually to give fans a chance to have their say about these kinds of things, because I think it's very easy to say, you know, you can do the match of the day kind of punditry and, and say, mm. you know, oh, you know, this player has a gr had a great shot and, and he turned really well, but that's just saying the obvious. But actually, I think a lot of those things that, uh, to an average football fan, or, or a decent football fan who watches a lot of games, like, like you obviously yourself do, mm. can see actually that doesn't really make sense. And, and it is a little bit concerning, I think. I mean, I, I think Smith at the end of the day did do well against Liverpool, Leicester, against Fulham. You know, he, he's got great results against them and he, he sort of outmanaged Klopp, you know, so fair play to him. But at the same time, mm. these kinds of errors, you, you do get slightly concerned actually, you know, why, should, why are we making these really basic errors around tactics? I don't, I don't really get it. Yeah. So, so looking ahead to the to the Arsenal game, what what, what are your thoughts uh, around that initial thoughts on the game? Obviously, coming off the back of two defeats, I mean, my me personally, it's it's a bit of a weird one. Even though we lost the last two games, I see Arsenal as a game that we can potentially do really well in, and a team that we can potentially do well against. Just because, probably, just because we've got such a good record at the Emirates. I don't know if that that's yeah, well, a part of it. Well, well, I, I don't think we lose. Um, I make that call now. I don't think we lose, and that's not because you know we've just lost the last two, and I'm saying you know, oh, we're you know the XG you know basically means that we were unlucky to lose the last two games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I just don't feel like we'll lose that game against Arsenal. I think Arsenal will do what we've just been talking about. I think they'll come at us a little bit, and I think they'll they'll be left a little bit exposed. Arteta is slowly, slowly getting to grips with, with what he wants Arsenal to do, but they're still not they're still not, you know, anywhere near the finished article in terms of what he wants from that side. Um, and like, you know, in terms of the stat in terms of what he has set out as his parameters of how Liverpool want to play, 
they're not hitting those markers, Arsenal, in terms of like their, their press, their counter press, all that sort of stuff. They're not doing that as as you would expect um, Arsenal to 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 do, given what what Arteta said and how he wants Arsenal to play. Um, so I think Arsenal are one of those prime candidates for Villa to open up. Um, yeah. Now, I, I do think there's a bit of resilience about Arsenal and inconsistency too. So it's hard to know kind of what you're going to get from them. It's hard to know when you're what you're going to get from Villa. Um, so in like I'm not I'm not basically saying that we're going to win the game, but I don't think we'll lose it. Um, I think it'll be a really good game. I think it'll be an interesting game to watch. I think it'll be another tactical battle. I think it'll be very similar to the Leicester game. So. For me watching the Leicester game, I really enjoyed it. I, I, like following it, like as I was watching it, you do you, you you look at Twitter to see what the general kind of perception of the game is, and you know the the general kind of feeling was that it wasn't a great game to watch. And I was like, no, this is a really good game to watch because mm. you can see the chess pieces being moved on. You know, in terms of like Rogers against Smith and, and what what they were both trying to do, and um, so it was intense. And and you know you you could, you could feel the game on that knife edge. Yeah. Um, so I think it'll be similar enough against Arsenal. Um, and obviously, as you mentioned, we do have a good record at the Emirates. So I'm excited about it. Um, I'm not excited that it's still on PPV, um, <laughs> given the news today. But um, yeah. It's the last game, yeah. I think, might be on PPV, potentially. It is. Yeah, it's yeah, a game yeah, on Monday. Yeah. Oh, God, I don't think there is. Oh, it can't be because it's international, yeah. Um, yeah. Week, um, I mean, even the Arsenal-Leicester game, I don't know if you saw that, was very similar in terms of it was quite a, a tactical half, yeah. game. Yeah, it was mm. quite a tactical game, and obviously Leicester came out on top. But yeah, I mean Arsenal have been have definitely been inconsistent. But then they have played, you know, my, uh, they play Man United, Leicester, Liverpool, or with Liverpool in the cup. Now they played them in the league as well, and obviously Leicester as well. So they played some difficult teams, and then they played Fulham, Sheffield United, and I forget who else. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they, if you look at that, look the way they've played. You, you're right. You know, there's this perception that Arteta is going to. Uh, mold Arsenal in a certain way and they're going to play a certain way but they haven't really been they've been defensively fairly oh. solid actually they've only conceded mm. Mm. seven goals um, uh, and but they've only really scored they haven't scored that many goals they've only scored nine goals all season mm. which isn't a lot considering Villa I know obviously they were skewed by the seven goal against Liverpool but even then a lot more teams have scored more goals than Arsenal especially in a season where there's been a lot of goals um, so it's quite surprising given they've got Aubameyang and Lacazette Mm. Pepe, Willian uh, playing as well. But I, I think a lot of their um, their good results have been uh, one on the back of their defensive solidity. And that's come from Gabriel, who I think has been their best player. And, Absolutely. you know, is a, is a massive, massive talent, isn't he? Um, Elneny, Elneny and Gabriel have really impressed me. Elneny, like in particular, I know there was clips doing the rounds of his performances, I think, in the Europa League and in against United. And it was like that, like, ferocious high press that he was, you know, that he was doing the, like, stoppage time one, game. One-man press, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one-man press, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you're, you're spot on um, in terms of, you know, in terms of their defensive notes, like, you know, he seems to have gotten it together and, and Gabriel's like really, I've not, I actually didn't even hear of him um, before he signed. Um, is it Lille he came from? Yeah, Gabriel, yeah. And um, yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's a, some really good defenders coming out of, of France. Gabriel, oh. uh, Saliba, who's obviously has had some personal issues that Arsenal signed and learned back out last year. He's another massive prospect and probably was the bigger prospect out of them two. 
Uh, Fofana, you've seen a Leicester, 19 years old, and he's he's already looking like one of the best defenders in the Premier League. You know, he just looks unreal. Yeah. Uh, and he's, yeah. he's only like five for 11, I think, or whatever, but he looks yeah, he's quite tall for so a, commanding. For, for yeah, yeah. So, you know, they've got these lots, lots of good players coming out of the, 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 for the French League. And Gabriel, I think, has been fantastic. And then obviously, Thomas Partey as well, you know, is probably their key man, I think, again, uh, the game of Sunday. Well, you know, yeah, he, he was fantastic against Man United, wasn't he? Oh, like, you know, it was everything that you'd want in a central midfield performance. And, um, you know, it was that kind of like real dominant um, performance. His passing was superb. You know, his interceptions, you know, breaking balls. Um, yeah, he's a real touch of class about him, um, party. And, and like, that's funny, actually. Uh, my dad, he like he likes probably about three footballers in the entire world. Um, and he loves Tom's party. Um, really? which is just yeah so um i was i was shocked that liverpool got him for 45 uh, was there something in that where it was like was it a release clause or uh, yeah it was yeah it was a release clause because so they um they signed in the last day of the season and because they they got him through a release clause it meant that atletico madrid could sign condogbia uh, because that's the rule they have in la liga so they, they've signed condogbia i think it was last week <laughs> so way after the end of the window they have this rule where uh, if um yeah if a player goes in the last day window because of a release clause then the, the team can sign a replacement from another club in La Liga so uh, yeah that was that to do with yeah. that but it'd be an interesting game I mean how do you think Villa was set up um, against Arsenal I mean, how would you set up would you make any changes yeah do you know what I, I was thinking about this um, after I saw the team for the uh, Southampton game and like they hadn't Smith hadn't made it had he made it I don't think he'd made a change as far as I'm aware, I could be wrong, or tell me if I'm wrong, but has he played the exact same team pretty much all season? Well, I don't I think, there's been uh, well, any... Trezgay Tre Tre came out and Troy came in against yeah, Southampton. Yeah, that yeah, that was the one was, change. Uh, uh, obviously, Harahan came out and Barkley came in. Barkley came in, yeah. Yeah, but not... I mean, it's been pretty much the same 11, 12, 13 players. Yeah, minimal, the, minimal changes. Yeah. I mean, Keenan Davis didn't even come on against Southampton. It was just was surprising. I, I don't... <laughs> I don't understand the lack of Keenan Davis, frankly. Right now, yeah. I've had my battles with with Villa fans on Twitter about Keenan Davis, and I do realise that you know his goal scoring prowess probably isn't the best. And um, but sometimes I think you just need him in the team, whether it's coming on as a substitute maybe in the second half, because the last two performances, you know. You can't, you can't really grumble too much with Ollie Watkins. He scored six goals in nine perform in, in, in nine appearances, you know. Um, yeah. but his performances have dropped off in the last two games. So that's that's not in question. Um, and the ball, the ball was kind of like he was like Velcro to the ball against Liverpool. And mm. really, since Liverpool, he's kind of he's gone off the ball and the boil in terms of um holding the ball up. And the ball, like it, it, the play, kind of tends to to break down around him a little bit. So, you know, there's probably a little bit of you know, in terms of expectations, there's probably too much around him a little bit at the minute. Um, and sometimes I think you need a Keenan Davis in there to kind of like really, you know, get make that ball stick. You know, get the get get you know runners around him. Like he's really, I've, I rarely, I rarely would you see a, a lad of his age. He's like 22 now. And that that's got that first touch and ability to 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 hold the ball up, shield the ball, and he's got yeah. a nice touch in him. He's nice awareness about him. He knows where players are. And um, so, you know, uh, God, I, I, 
if you if you gave him like you know the finishing ability of you know Michael Owen or somebody like that, like Keenan Davis would be some player. Like yeah. he would be worth yeah. millions. Yeah, but uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm I'm not saying you know you know drop him for all you Hawkins. I I think you 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 give Hawkins the opportunity to you know to get back on the boil, um because I think he's got huge amounts of ability. But I would like to see a couple of changes here and there. You know, just to freshen the side up because there is nothing worse than knowing that you're not going to get in the team. I think it, 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 you know, whatever happens, you know, you're just not going to make the team. Um, I, I don't think that's good. And I think Smith needs to freshen it up a little bit. I'm not saying I would like to see, you know, Hurrahan in there. Um, I think I would still go with Barclay again and Louise. Um, I would definitely bring Trezeguet back in because of his hard running. Um, mm. you know the, the amount of like high intensity running he does is, is superb. He, he works yeah. his arse off, frankly. But um, I would be tempted to take cash out. I think that this might be a little bit controversial, but I think putting Al Mohammadi back in there for for the game would might be a little bit prudent. Um, I, I think Cash has been badly rattled by the the Leeds game. Thought he was really mm. poor in the Leeds game. He was not. He, he's not. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, Omar. But like, I feel like he's not the attacking fullback that you want out of. Not not just yet. I'm not. I'm not criticizing him. I'm. I'm. You know, he's still getting the grips um, with the position. I'm like. I'm not. Like, I do feel like he's been a really decent signing. But I was expecting a little bit more from him. Um, yeah, and no, I, th- I, think that, I think it's fair. Tactics. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, I, I know. I was just going to say that that's tactics. I, that could be the fact that, like, you know, in modern football, or I think you've seen it in the Spurs documentary, um, Mourinho wants one of his um, fullbacks attacking um, and one holding, and he could be that. That could be the similar with Smith. Smith could be he could be under instructions to to hold, and target is the one that gets forward. But um, so so. That could be the scenario, but you do want more out of him. You do want more out of him, and even against you know the, the gold for rings, he just he just stood off him, and you just wanted it you know to, to close him down to get a little bit tighter to him, and you know, mm. um. So I, I think I'd definitely make a couple of substitutions, nothing too radical, but you know, just freshen it up a little bit. Yeah, it's funny you say that because it's um, it's actually I said the same thing to someone else uh, just just yesterday that I would bring Elmo in. Uh, because I think I, I really like Cash. I think he's been really good. Um, I think against Leeds, it was it was a combination of of playing against Harrison, who can go either way, and it's very difficult to defend against, and being one on one every single time and having no cover. Because uh, I didn't think Trez was that good in that game, but but also I think against Southampton, he was he was very poor. Him and Konza, I thought actually Konza has been one of my favourite players this season. I think he's been fantastic, but against Southampton, I thought both of them were. They started the game off really badly and they sort of set the tone for them both. And the handball by Cash, you know, again, some people say, oh, you know, he had to do it, but I don't think he, I, I think he could have faced up Walker and, and let him go one-on-one and, and try to show him on the outside. And against Ings, again, I'm the same. I'm like, you know, yeah, he stood off. If you're going to stand off, then show him on the, the other side, show him on his wrong foot. Why are you showing him back on in, in the inside to let him have a shot? I, I just didn't understand. And that is naivety, I think. You know, like you said, it's a position that's new to him. And he is very good going forward. You know, his crossing ability is good. But he just hasn't shown it. He has hardly got forward. If you look at his stats, you know he's hardly, uh, hardly got forward. Hardly made any sort of progressive passes. It's it's been defending, and everything comes down the left, obviously, because we've got Jack. And I don't think he's helped by the fact that Trez 
can be hit and miss going forward. I don't think that helps. And we saw that last year with Gilbert as well. Gilbert was, again, more defensive than target last year. But I do expect him to get forward a bit more. And I would definitely bring Elmo in for a bit more solidity and a bit more know-how and a bit more nous. And Elmo you, it just really lets you down. In fact, the yeah. only game I can remember him letting us down was in the championship against Leeds. And maybe the game before that, I think he had a bad game as well. Apart from that, he really gives less than sort of six, seven out of ten. I think he's that kind yeah. of player. Yeah, and if you think about it as well, um, you know, the, you've just mentioned it. Like, teams know we're going to go down the left with Grealish and Target. They know we're going to do that. Now, they might not be able to stop Grealish because he's that good. Um, but it gives you the option to switch the play to the right. And I mean, like, you know, if Cash does bomb on forward a little bit more, he's got so much opportunity to get into that back post, overlap on the right. And I yeah. think, you know, Elmo will definitely naturally give you that a little bit more. You know, he'll naturally kind of do that. Um, and obviously, like, Elmo's crossing is just unbelievable. It's a dream. And um, Cash is quite good at crossing as well. So I think, I feel like it's a missed opportunity, that right-hand side, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, Trez, Trez does love that that back post. Like, like it <laughs> yeah. is... He was so unlucky against the Lampton, wasn't he? Oh, Not like, yeah, I felt bad for know, him. I mean, he was crying, always crying, wasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, he is always crying. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Like his his natural instinct to, to kind of hug that that back post and just oh, he just oh, the ball just seems to find him. And um, mm. it's like a magnet to it, you know. So, um, I really like Trezeguet. I, I think he's I think he got a bit of a hard rap last year and kind of you know he, he was yeah he, he he didn't there was there was performances where you were like oh I think we've been sold a dud here and and you know yeah. but. Yeah, you have to give you have to give players kind of you know a bit a bit of a bit of settling time. But I think yeah. and as well, like you can tell this year his his performances in terms of his like you know his energy and his and his like you know box the box running is has just been phenomenal. So you can yeah, you, you know he's fit. got up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. super. Fit. You can tell he's got up yeah. the intensity of the league. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what what do you reckon then? What, before we sort of close off for the Arsenal game, what do you reckon the game? What do you reckon the score will be then? What's your prediction? I'll we'll put you on the. I'm on calling. The spot. I'm, I'm calling one 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 or one. two two. All right, yeah, cool. one one yeah. or two two. Uh, I, I think you know both sides are quite decent, um, and I, I think it'll be tactical as well. And um, I would love to say two one Villa, but I'm going to go one one. Good, yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to go for a draw as well. Um, I, I think I'm going to go for nil nil. <laughs> I'm going to be boring. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, say yeah, we haven't yeah. had a, we haven't had a nil nil this season, so uh, I'm going to go for nil nil. And I and I definitely take that right now. I think that I'll would, take uh, that. Yeah, take us into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll be looking forward to that game, and obviously we'll be we'll be back on Sunday night probably to review that game with another episode of Lockdown Load and have the usual crew with us. So uh, watch out for that. Uh, moving on now, though, um, I'd be good, interesting to hear a bit more about your your job as well because it's really interesting and something we've discussed before about what you do uh, and and the company that you work for and what they do. Uh, I think it'll be good for the listeners to understand how that works and what they do, but also how relevant it is to football in general. Yeah, so um, basically called Stat Sports, and you will know them as the black training bras um, (laughs) that you'll see on the players. Um, Yeah, yeah, basically we are the global leaders in GPS wearable technology. So basically you'll see Grealish and all the lads wearing these black training bras um, with it's a device uh, it's a really really tiny kind of black box that fits in the back um, yeah. and it, it, it essentially monitors your um, your your training load your match load so you know 
the volume and intensity of what you're working through so it's like you know your total distance your high speed running your max speeds sprint distance um accelerations decelerations um it gives the performance staff at the team and um, the ability to prepare the squad for the type of football that the manager wants them to play um, and right. so they can prepare them in training they can basically say look if it's Taiwan Mings well actually we, we'll, we'll say we'll take Trezeguet for example Trezeguet might cover maybe you know uh, one and a half kilometers of high speed running um, in on match day so he will need to replicate that through his training sessions to be ready right. for match day and oh, um, okay. you know so essentially it's about maximizing performance and reducing that sort of injury risk and um, that that obviously like is going to be so prevalent this year um like it's been we've we've been on the go for about 10 years now and i've only joined the company in the last two years but um yeah it's 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 play it is playing a huge huge role in in how sport is analyzed um these days and obviously um you know we do it's not just soccer it's rugby you know it's nfl and um, basketball basically any any physical sport that that, yeah. that you do high intensity efforts so no not um, cricket we, we, uh, yeah cricket yeah we, the indian cricket, cricket as well as well cricket as well yeah well imagine like you can imagine like a fastball or and like the amount of yeah. kind of like high speed running yeah. fastball or does especially in test cricket um yeah. you know that's me so speaking absolutely. as a cricket fan by the way and a, and a cricket player so uh i'm, I'm yeah, allowed yeah, to yeah. say that yeah uh, <laughs> strapped up at one or see see what what sort of like effort you're doing in it like i mean, I mean yeah. uh, like uh, joe public can buy these can't they they can get this and compare themselves to yeah, to yeah. like the elite athletes so, can't they yeah well i mean like so we were through lockdown obviously you know the players weren't allowed at the training ground and um, so basically um they were using the consumer product um, and they were showing up on we've got like a, an app and um, that connects to your phone and um, so obviously that's how you know it's measured um, and you can see all your stats on your phone so all the players were doing it as well so like you could be you could be like in your back garden and you could like hit a max speed of 35 kilometers per hour and you're up there next to like mo salah or you know whoever it is <laughs> um, so it was pretty cool for us to see um but yeah yeah so consumers can buy this like you know yeah, amateur aspiring footballers um can all can all wear it like at the minute, so obviously Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Raheem Sterling, they're um, ambassadors for the company and they're investors in the company. Um, obviously, they, they use it all the time. They, they know how important it is to, to their performance. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's you, Omar, you, you are smack bang in the middle of football every every week. You know, yeah. you, you are literally in football. It's not like it's not like Lucas A. Bottle um or or like gillette or anything like that like you know what i mean who you know obviously endorse all these athletes like we are, are in the middle of the, uh, the of sport mm. at pretty much every turn so it's like to to you know in the associated and working for a company like that it, it's cool it's it is cool yeah. like what's been some of the interesting things that you've seen or stats that you've seen of players whilst you've been there Any, anything stand out yeah so um i, I think for us the 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 goal, not the gold standard, but I mean, like Liverpool, the, the stats that you see Liverpool pulling off, um, in terms of like you know the distance they cover, as particularly at, at high intensity, is absolutely mental. Like, do you know what I mean? It's it's you you can understand why they are where they are as a team. Um, Adama Traore, we this is anecdotal, 
But um, like we've heard that he's essentially hit like max speeds of 40 kilometers per hour in training wow. fairly regularly, which is like Mbappe is generally known as like um, the, you know, the, the gold standard in, in fast players. But um, and he's like a max speed of about 38 kilometers per hour. But apparently like Traore is just it, it's like a, a kid's game to him. And um, right. it's it's just oh it's it's, it's crazy it, yeah it's crazy yeah you know, sometimes you do kind of the first one to admit with Traore like I, I didn't really see it in him at all like you know you, you could tell he was you know an unbelievable athlete and you know a reasonably talented footballer but he just didn't have the awareness to to see him kind of like to to see what he's become at, at, you know at, at Wolves under Nuno <laughs> wow yeah. I'd love him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, I mean, he's been. Uh, I've had a few arguments with uh, Villa fans, Wolves fans, <laughs> every fan really about Adama. And I, I was the same. I was, I was a bit like you know this player. I think it's the difference between a, a top class player and a and a standard bog standard player is is a, is the end product. I think a lot of the time, whether you're a defender or whether you're an attacker, end product's a different thing. But um, he never really ever had it. Uh, but the fact that you know, obviously started with Tony Pulis in Middlesbrough, I think, was where he first started to sort of start getting some sort of end product. But the fact that he's become this kind of player now, you know, he's just and, and I know he hasn't had that good of a season so far. He's been in and out of the side, but I think he's incredibly talented now. Like you can just see that he's so aware of of what's around him, and he really makes a bad decision these days, which is you know he's got massive ceiling if he could because of his physical attributes. If he if he can continue to have some sort of consistency, he could be. A fantastic player but yeah really interesting insight there and uh oh god you know I, w- I wish i was working in that kind of industry just to see some of those stats and, and be involved in football must be which must be amazing yeah it, be a, it, it does give you it gives you an added sort of um layer of context in terms of like why players are not playing or playing and do, do you know what i mean so it's like you can kind of see like oh such and such like you know he, okay might not be the, the most talented player but he suits what the manager is physically trying to impose on a team. So if like, for instance, like James Milner, James Milner still covers about, I think he was like one of the the record runners of last year in Premier League. I think he like, he covered most distance or second most distance um, in a Premier League. 13 kilometers, which is like, that's for, and he's 35, like, yeah, you know, just it's just testament. Oh, it's just testament yeah. to like what an athlete and, and what a professional he is. But yeah, it does give you a, you know added context in terms of like why managers kind of stick with certain players and don't stick with certain players. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean stuff that we don't really see because it's weird though because um, you see a lot of more a lot of stats nowadays. Obviously, given the way the Premier League is and you know XG and things like that, you see a lot of. But you don't really get to see that much around running stats and uh, intensity of running and that kind of stuff. The reason why that is because teams, to an extent, um, don't want you to see them. Yeah. They don't want you to know because um, it speaks to a lot about how they play um, mm. and, and, and the tactics of a team. Um, and obviously, like sometimes the players just don't want you to, to, to kind of see it. Because, for instance, give you one example quickly. Um, when Romelu Lukaku was still at United... Um, he was getting of uh, horrendous abuse um, about, I think it was um, his man, or his his sprint speed, um, and you know people were saying, "Oh, he was slow, and he wasn't going to, um, he wasn't going to be able to make it at United." This kind of stuff, and mm. you know, you, you're you're kind of like you have to 
use context in these in these situations where it's like he he put up a, a video right of the stat- statistics of training and he was like the second fastest um at training so he was just like i'm actually rapid you just don't see this all the time um but at the very end of the the the, the slowest guy was luke shaw right and he mm-hmm. luke shaw was getting horrendous abuse and the reason why he was second slowest was because he was told to only run at 50 percent of his max speed so it's like you know you, you see these things and you're just like oh you see the stats and you know when they get out there you're like you have to add context to it like yeah. context yeah. b and um, so that's that's kind of why like yeah yeah that's interesting no really really interesting thanks for that Keen. i really appreciate that that's uh, a good insight and something we've been we've been trying to do on this show for well since since inception really we've had scouts on the show uh, we've had kit designers on the show and now yourself. So it's a really good insight into what goes on behind the scenes in football as well. And I think it gives a good bit of knowledge to, to just a regular fan who doesn't understand those types of things. I, I never knew that about Luke Shaw. You know, that's, a, that's something you would, I, yeah, you know, yeah, I'd probably yeah. be like, I'd be one of the first people to say, well, you know, he's just unfair or whatever. The fact that actually that goes on behind the scenes is really interesting. So, so thanks for that. Uh, moving on now, uh, before we go on to Didier 6, just quickly, Ian, obviously, Given your heritage and given Aston Villa's closest association <laughs> with, with the Irish players uh, and and uh, uh, myself as well, you know, I'm very, I've always been fond of the Republic of Ireland football team because of, uh, you know, I, I started sporting Villa, well, from from, from birth, obviously, because my, my dad was a Villa fan, but my first season was 93, 94, and you had players like McGrath, Staunton, yeah. Houghton, Townsend, and, and in, yeah. even subsequent to that as well, you know, we've had players like Dunn, Clark. Uh, not Grealish, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, lots of lots of Irish players and there's a really close association. That team in '94 in the World Cup, you know, England weren't in that World Cup, and a lot of fans, a lot of people were supporting Ireland and wanting them to do well. And that performance against Italy, you know, was was massive. So, I mean, it'll be good to hear just quickly, you know, some who some of your favourite players, uh, Irish players, have been and played for for Villa. Yeah, so you and I be like similar age. I, I was like, I think I started sporting Villa like the tail end of the 91-92 season. Um, so obviously we would have similar kind of like, you know, growing up. But the the, the most obvious one is Paul McGrath. I mean, like you couldn't not be, uh, you know, in your mid-30s and not love Paul McGrath and like, you know, sort of worship the, the ground that he works on, walks on. But Paul McGrath probably be number one. Number two, Steve Staunton. Steve Staunton is from my hometown in Ireland, Dundalk, and he played the same okay. GA team. Uh, you know, so he lives around. He's he, his home house is literally like round the corner from me, and um, so I've met him a few times. And um, so, uh, yeah, Steve Staunton would be number two, and then number three, right? And um, I had to think long and hard about this because it's just it, it was a bit of a difficult one. I wanted to push, and um, I wanted to push Connor Howard in there. Because not because of um, what he's done, you know. As I, I just I, I feel like he's played such a pivotal role, you know, in in terms of the last maybe like three years of Villa. It's just it, it's been sensational to watch him, and um, in terms of goals, assists, all that kind of thing. Mm. Like, um, yeah. I'm not putting him in. I'm not putting him in. Um, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Andy Townsend. Um, so all three kind of like not early 90s players but um, yeah yeah, Anton is my third one I just just loved him when I was a kid yeah I love the highlights um, fantastic highlights um, the hair and just in terms of like box to box midfield he was just superb but 
Um, yeah, I'd be interested. That you, what, what, what did you did you feel like I missed out any or? No, no, I Stephen, think I, that probably. In yeah. terms of like Irish players, like and not just like no, like Republic Northern Ireland, yeah. maybe like Stephen Davis in yeah. there as well. And there was I'm still going to be sold. Still going to be sold, Stephen Davis. I I, I still can't yeah, yeah. sold him. But like, if you think about it as well, like you, you could have had Robbie Keane. So obviously, yeah. what was like a really really short spell, so you couldn't really put him yeah. in there. Um, obviously, um, Richard Dunn, Glenn Whelan. No, I'm only joking about Glenn Whelan. But I, you know, <laughs> Let's he, not go into that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I knew you were so, going to bring him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I think he got a bit of a raw deal, but um, no, yeah. I, I definitely have Glenn Whelan in there. But yeah, top three all from the nineties. I just think that was when in our halcyon days when we were, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and really, I obviously really Ireland was quite successful in that period as well. Yeah, generally yeah. as a team. So and those players were integral. Well, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I can see why you've gone for them. Harahan, I, I mean, I absolutely love Harahan. I, I do. You know, I think he's been one of our best signings. If you look at the money we spent on him and what he's done oh, for us. Yeah value wise has been fantastic and you know he I, you know i've given him a bit of stick but i think it's not stick about him as a player because i think his attitude and the way he plays the game you know he wants to win he hates being subbed he hates not being in the team so that from that perspective i love him and he's been my one of my favorite players since he's we've had him but i think where we're at and where we want to get to he's he's good for certain games uh and not for other games and i think you just got to know where to use him i think that's that's the key with him and he still has a part to play he's a good squad player i think this is it like i get accused of being a hurricane stand do you know what i mean and it's not that it's that yeah again it's you have to use context with him it's like is he good enough for where oh, probably not um you know is he is he good enough to to you know rotate in certain games yeah it's like you know in terms of like set pieces in terms of his ability to to you know score a screamer from nowhere and get forward yeah he's, he's he is good enough to rotate um i think and like I don't think we've scored a set piece goal since the since his last start against Fulham, and no, you know, no. the and he was it was great in that it was great in that game. I thought, and yeah, you know, that's yeah. the kind of game I think he he thrives on, and that's the kind of game you need to play him in. I think Arsenal is probably a game you probably don't play him in, but definitely you know, as no, an option on the no. bench, you can bring him on. Definitely, you can bring him on to to make something happen. Uh, but no. yeah, those three players. I mean, McGrath obvious uh we did a special uh, last week top because uh, it was black history month we did a top five black players and obviously oh, yeah. paul mcgraw was the first choice um and it's, with not much more to say about that he's just he generally regarded as probably one of the best if not the best villa player and probably one of the best if not one of the best well, if not the best irish player ever as well so you know there's no question about it. steve Saunton, one of my favorite ever players yeah, i loved him <laughs> yeah. absolutely loved him he was fantastic you know early on those, those uh Early on in his first spell at Villa, he was just a massive part of their team, massive part of the team that did well and finished second, massive part of the team that would do well in the League Cups. And, and then he obviously went to Lee, uh, well, so he went to Liverpool and then came back and still, you know, played a good part in our team and, and sort of dwindled a bit under Graham Taylor and, and sort of went after that. But still, you know, massive, just a professional. He's one of those players, his typical left back. You see these left backs um, who are just no nonsense, but yeah. are very, very, very consistent. You know, just seven out of ten, just know how to play the game, just know what to do, what to make the right decision. Don't try and do anything out of the ordinary and make and make mistakes. And they just do everything simple and play the game simple and, and they do so well. Andy Townsend, I mean, I, I mean, I remember him, you know, obviously we're similar ages and I remember him being a massive part of when we did well under Big Ron and early part of Brian Little as well. Um, but if you watch those games back now, you know, you, you just don't realise how good he was until you watch those games back. You know, he runs that midfield. You know, he is box to box. His passing is amazing. His tackling is amazing. He gets forward. He creates chances. He's just your all-round quality midfielder and very 
I think for a lot of people who don't realize how good Andy Townsend were, you should watch some of those games back on YouTube and just see how good he is and see how he runs that yeah. game. I, I think just in terms of like that 90s Villa team, like, you know, the early 90s, like you, you tear for granted how good that team was. Like if, it, if that team was now, it'd be probably top four all the time, you know, yeah. which is, you know, it's, it's, it's almost alien to think that. Um, but yeah. Um, played, no, beautiful, it's, it's, played beautiful football as well. Ray Houghton as well, we haven't mentioned. Yeah, Ray Houghton yeah, also right. was a big part of the midfield. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, there's no, I mean, you know, the the the, the Villa heritage, you know, Villa Irish heritage, goes back um, a long time. So it's kind of yeah, it's it's obviously and it, it's got a huge support in Ireland, and um, you know, so yeah, we're we're very uh, we're very proud of our Irish players and our, our yeah, Irish good, heritage. Good, good. Yeah, no, no, good, and that's a that's a probably my my list would be exactly the same. I would say. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I just, I'll make I'll make it a very serious point. We are as as much as people will be like as much as Irish fans will be a little bit bitter about Jack and um, deciding to turn out for England, which I didn't really have too much of an issue with. And um, we're, we're, most Irish people are still very proud of the fact that like of his Irish heritage and the fact yeah. that like his family are like you know are, are you know still kind of like still in touch with their Irish heritage and he's obviously played GA football and maybe to to an extent has made him the the, the type of football. Oh, definitely, and, definitely. You know, so I mean, like you know, some might might hate to admit it, but you know, we are still proud of, of Jack, and I, I I do obviously still want him to really progress and um, with England and, and you know make uh, make the fulcrum of that team. But obviously, I think you might have to wait until certain manager leaves before that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll probably have a better chance of playing for Ireland now, I think. Than yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Even with what's yeah. going on, but no, I mean, yeah. I mean, we mentioned on on. Uh, a show a few weeks ago about uh, we talked about Jack and, and his GA football heritage and his background mm. and it definitely is a massive part of why he is so resilient I think uh, because that's a tough tough sport to play yeah, I remember yeah, watching yeah. it back back in the day you know I was a massive fan of things like hurling and uh, oh, yeah. football, yeah because you used to yeah, watch yeah. on Channel 4 you know you used to be on and yeah, you yeah. watch the game and you'd be like well what is this game this is amazing it's just yeah, ridiculous end-to-end yeah. -end. it's physical it's just wow it's, yeah and you know you can see where that you know where his uh, ability to sort of get knocked down and get back up again has come from. Definitely, my one worry with him is that like he is going to get badly injured at some point. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's my one worry with him is that he is so tough and he is so you know slight of step in terms of like his ability to move away from I'm terrified of him getting badly injured. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, I mean, he's had a few rough tackles, and I remember the good, yeah, uh, yeah. game in the championship against Leeds when uh, I think it was Cooper that nearly broke his leg so yeah, you do yeah, worry boy. about that you know you, you worry there's going to be a point where he's going to get knocked he's going to get knocked down he's not going to get back up again um yeah. that is a worry but hopefully that won't be the case and uh well thank you for that you know it was really good just a quick few, uh, five minutes on that but you know i think it was um it's it's a uh, it's a hard and an easy choice at the same time when it comes to the top three irish players because we've had so many but there's there's those, those three players i think really stand out for me yeah, um, yeah. So I would have had probably the same list. So I suppose moving on to the last part of the show and the part that everyone's been looking forward to and the part that you've been looking forward to as well. <laughs> but yeah, it's time for Didier 6. Didier 6. So Keen, uh, just, well, just for the listeners, and, and obviously we've talked about this already, but just to remind everyone how Didier 6 works. So... Uh, the idea is this is Aston Villa's version of Room 101. So you have to pick items, things, events, whatever it is, as long as it's Villa related, or you can link it back to Villa to go into Room 101. You've got 60 seconds to argue your case. 
uh, and then we'll have a discussion and decide and I'll make a final decision whether it gets in. And there's a mm. scoreboard, ongoing scoreboard that's running. Uh, and there's about four people on four at the moment. Uh, <laughs> so at, at the end of the uh, end of the season, the overall winner will get a special prize yet to be decided. Um, but it will be good, I'm telling you. I'm not just saying it. Um, <laughs> but as as, uh, as the game's gone on, we've realised that actually six for one person is quite a lot. And <laughs> we'll probably run out of things to uh, put into room one and one. So yeah. what we're going to do instead is every person's going to have a chance to put three things in, but they get two points for each one. So it's still the DDA six element of it still works. So oh, I, I suppose I I, I'm going to give you, I'm going to start the timer in a second, but uh, right. you've said you've got some controversial ones. So I'll be interested to hear what I you've got. Two um, controversial. Too controversial. Well, that's good. That's what we want, you know, a bit of controversy. So, Keen, your first one, I'm going to start the clock. When you're ready, you ready, yeah? yeah. Ready, go. Right, first one, controversial. Villa fans, don't hate me. It's Gabby Igbonloho, the pundit, not the player. Um, basically, I think he's a bit of a rent-a-gob. Um, you know, he's like talk sport um, personified in terms of like his football opinion doesn't think too deeply about what he's actually saying he winds fans up just for the sake of wine and then basically starts rows with other fan bases and then villa fans will complain about those fan bases being obsessed with them and um, on twitter that's because gabby abonlor has spent the last two days winding up the fan base of the other side Leeds is a good example, and he continues to do it all the time. Um, it drives me mad. Um, I, I genuinely, <laughs> as, as soon as I seen him uh, join Twitter, I had to like mute him straight away. Um, but like the most Villa fans just love him because he's Gabby. And um, but yeah, I, I'm putting Gabby in Didier Six Room One Hundred and One. Oh, that what a white star! It's it's fireworks <laughs> night, and you probably you probably hear the uh, <laughs> you think you probably hear the banging be... in the background. So you've gone off with a big bang. This second one, oh, is no. Even better. you're going to love this oh. second one. Oh no! I mean, I mean, yeah, oh, God, yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? I mean, I think we've been quite blessed at Villa fans with um, a lot of Villa pundits. So people like Lee Hendry, Paul Merson, Dean Dublin, um, you know, people like that who've been in, who've been commentating on games and, and generally, obviously, look at Villa favourably. But also, I think even to some extent, you know, do have a bit of knowledge about the game. Paul Merson less so, obviously, because he, he can be hit and miss sometimes with what he says. But at least he thinks about the game. I think Gabby, I mean, I completely agree. He's just, he's gone in purposefully to wind people up and he's gone in, I'm going to make a name for myself by making outlandish comments. I mean, I think you, that's obvious to see. That's his nature, like, do you know what I mean? He, he's done that all through his career. So he's just, he's just done, he just continued on as, as a commentator and you're just like, oh, Christ. I mean, in the Leeds game, especially when he was saying what he was saying, we were all thinking, we were like, why are you saying this, Gabby? You know it's going to go. Now, Bielsa's a myth. Well, he's not. He's an excellent manager. Um, and you just knew that it was just going to end up, it's just going to end up terrible for us. And, and we get the stick, we get the brunt of it. So from that perspective, oh, I get it. I do. And I'm, you know what? I'm really tempted to put this in because I, I've been annoyed by him as well. As yeah. But at the same time, some things, some things he says, you're just like the way he backs Jack Grealish and things like that in the public. You think actually, yeah, you need someone like that. You need someone who's just going to go balls you out. Need, but you can do that. You can do that, and you can think a little bit deeper about the game, which is the issue. Like, do you know what I mean? Oh God, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm really tempted to put it in. I am really, really tempted to put it in because I'm, I'm with you on that. But I just cannot put anything Gabby Agbonlahor related into Room 101, especially as we've only just voted him in our top five back players to play for Aston Villa. Um, and uh, and that was on the uh, that was me thinking I wasn't going to put him in as well because I wasn't going to put him in. But the fact we had Chadzi on, who's one of our regulars, had a, did a seven minute monologue on Gabi Agbonlohor and why he decided why he should be in. <laughs> so uh, we oh, had to really? put him in. 
Yeah, we had to put him in after that because he was going to cry if he didn't. So, and, you know, plus he's our all-time Premier League goal scorer. So from that perspective, I think yeah. if it was just the Leeds thing and the way he's he's um, that is punditry, then I I'd, I'd put him in because I think he he's definitely yeah. he's a renter quote, isn't he? That's what he's trying to be. Um, he's yeah. trying to he's trying to be that that sort of he's trying to get that quote out there that talks book can retweet and get lots of interaction with. You know, that's what he's that's his job. Uh, and I try and ignore talk, but at the same time, I think the way he's defended certain things about Villa as well and big to sub. Is something you do need that sometimes. So for that reason, I'm not going to put him in. I'm afraid. So that one doesn't. That the one doesn't go into GDS six. Oh, it's a disaster! It's gone in off Ankerman. Sorry, mate. Maybe maybe Gabby listens to the podcast right and then makes a change to how he kind of then commentates on on the games afterwards. I don't know. Well, I've actually been told. So uh, Chad's in, uh, knows someone in t- talk sport. So uh, that 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 uh, person, produ- well, I think it might be a producer. I don't know who he is, but he actually uh, sent the uh, seven-minute monologue to Gabby. So he would have listened to it. So <laughs> I don't know what he thought of it, but he's probably think he's got a story. Right, that one's done. So what's your what's your second one? Right, my second one is controversial. It's um, basically Villa Trust. Um, I think he's like the director of Villa Trust. Um, I want to put Johnny Gold um, in the uh, Johnny Gold in the in in Room One Hundred and One. Well, basically because I think you in those situations, I think you have to be apolitical um, to an extent if you are going to be if you're going to run a, a supporters trust like that. Um, you can't be the divisive. You, you know, you can't. You just can't. And his support of what I would deem to be, you know. Um, uh, not a very nice kind of state, um, and some of the others probably like a state that's breaking illegal um, laws is is just yeah. I, I I can't really say too much about it, um, you know, for want of being um, sued probably. Like, but um, yeah, I want Johnny Gould um, going into room one hundred and one. Did he oh, Wow, wow! I can't believe you went there. <laughs> I can't believe you went there. Oh my god! So, um, for for people who don't understand, there's, um, I mean, this is this is definitely a Twitter thing that's happened, and so for some people who are not on Twitter, might not understand. So, Johnny Gould, obviously a broadcaster, talk sport, you know, well known broadcaster, massive Villa fan, uh, and on the face of it, generally nice guy. Does a podcast with Howard Hodgson, uh, who mm-hmm. I, I know very well, who uh, you know uh, is a great guy. Um, yeah. Yeah, good guy, and they, they do a podcast together. But Johnny Gould is also a director of the Villa Trust, uh, which is a supporters federation. Uh, and there's been some instances around some of his views that have come out, uh, and some of it is to do with polit- politics, but some of it is to do with Black Lives Matter as well, uh, where it was quite controversial, especially considering our one of our biggest players and most well-known players, Tyron Mings, was such a massive part of that and leading that in terms of what football were doing and what, what you know, the first game that the, after lockdown, Sheffield United game, you know, Tyron Mings was a big reason why people took the knee in that first game. Cause that wasn't, that wasn't a plan. That wasn't a Premier League thing. That was the players deciding that. Um, and then for him to come out with things like that, which I think are just, just not, it's just not needed. I think he's, you know, to be such a prominent fan like that and to have such divisive views um, and, and, I mean, I I don't I, I don't feel like he you know shouldn't have like shouldn't be allowed to have those views you know he he's entitled to those views but in terms of like being palatable um, and and being what I would consider to be quite right minded and you know 
I, I don't know if um yeah, I don't know if I could ever agree with, with somebody like Johnny Gould. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, from from politics point uh, point of view, you know, we 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 don't really go into that. Obviously, in the show, we you know we talked about oh. the food bank stuff and um, uh, pay per view and and general poverty in in the country, and and that wasn't a right wing or a left wing thing. You know, personally myself, you know, I'm I'm conservative about certain things. I'm liberal about certain things. I don't really believe in this right wing left wing thing, but. I think with with Johnny Gould, I think it's, it's slightly different because it's not, as you say, it's nothing to do with his political views. If, as you know, in his, it's his right to have those political views, and some will agree, someone won't. Some of the things that he says, I probably will agree with some things. A lot of what he says, I probably don't agree with. But I think the fact that he's part of Villa Trust, he was saying this as a director of Villa Trust, and Villa Trust were retweeting some of this stuff as well. Um, you know, the stuff that's going on in the country as well. Uh, you know, I just, I just have no choice but to put it in into, yes. into six. it has to go in for me and that's not because you know me and him have had spats before on twitter and, and generally you know i'm i'm talking purely on opinions basis more than anything else not a personal thing like that you know we have different views on certain things but i think if you're part of villa trust this is an organization that's important to villa fans mm. and there's been a, a new organization come out called villa voices for change because it came mm. on the back of what johnny gould was doing yeah. and uh you know it was see it was seen as as negative and not not uh, useful to what was going on in, in, the, in the climate at that time, I think it has to go in. So yeah, Johnny Gould as Villa Trust director goes into Didier Six Room One Hundred One. Yes. Right. So your last well, one. Well done. Well, uh, First one off the mark. You're off the mark. Last one. Well, it is very. Uh, it's generic enough. It's fans calling players shit after new players shit after like three months at a club and you know digging them out and and like adding them on twitter um, and basically you know saying that they're not good enough it's like you need to give fans or you need to give players particularly new players and especially players new players coming from abroad time to settle into the league the premier league is is the most high intensity league in the world that's proven with, with physical data and um, you need to give those players time to 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 embed into the culture, embed into, you know, the, the they're moving to a completely new country, they're moving to family. There are all sorts of in, of variables as to why a player will settle in straight away or not settle in straight away. Um, Trezeguet is, is a good example. This this year he's coming quite good um, after, you know, a, a reasonably poor first year. So, um, yeah, I think players or fans just need to think a little bit deeper about the game um, and, uh, you know, be a little bit more humane in, in how players, certain players perform and don't perform. Um, and, and the more that you can do that. Time's up. The more, yeah. Ah, yeah. Well done. You just, just got yeah, in. I'll let yeah, you in. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you extra five seconds, but um, that's a really good point. And uh, you know, something we've mentioned here before as well, especially after what Al Ghazi, uh, I can't remember who else was it. Was it house? I think I can't remember who it was. Uh, Al Ghazi and Lansbury. Sorry. After the, uh, the, the, oh, the, the, the game, yeah, oh, the game. They, yeah, they deactivated because of, uh, and you know, you can, I think, you can be critical of players in terms of performances and be, uh, can, be constructive criticism. But the fact yeah. when people start atting them and directing abuse at them or saying you're shit, you're crap, you, you've had a mm. terrible game, what are you doing, and playing for Villa? I think that's mm. just abuse. That's just not needed. You don't, you don't, players don't need that, and that's not support. That's not what a supporter does. And and you know, I from my perspective, you know, you're talking about your job and, and what you do, and I think it's really interesting and really uh, a good insight. You know, I get to see with what I do, I get to work with players, but more on the personal side rather than the footballing side. And you get to see what they're like 
and and you know it's it's actually it's one of those jobs it is obviously everyone's dream to be a footballer well, a lot of people's dreams to be a footballer but there's a lot that goes with it that people don't understand especially for foreign players coming into the league you know players like wesley for example douglas louise you know they've got maybe one or two people with them sometimes none uh you know they might not have their family with them they might not have anyone with them and they could be going through all of that learning the language adjusting to a completely different culture different lifestyle you know birmingham is a completely different place to whatever it is in Brazil, you know, it's, it's just completely different. So you've got all that alongside then having the stress and the pressure of performing week in, week out, uh, as you said, like a high intensity, one of the toughest leagues in the world. Yeah, you know, I think I think fans do need to, I mean, you mentioned Trezeguet, Douglas Luiz is a, is a key point, you know, he, you know, I think some fans saw the talent he had, but then a lot of fans wrote him off quite quickly thinking that he, you know, he wasn't suited to, to Premier League football. He was more suited to La Liga or whatever, but you've seen, he's a Brazilian and Brazilian players are some of the toughest. The Brazilian league is one of the toughest leagues in the world. People don't understand. It's so tough. It's so physical. Uh, And those types of players are suited to Premier League football. You know, you've seen like Richarlison, Wesley, Luiz, these types of players, Willian, um, I, you know, you've seen how they adapt. And I think Wesley is a, is a case in point. You know, he's he was hit and miss, hot and cold. I get it. But at the same time, he still scored, was it five, six goals? And again, you've seen with Ollie Watkins. We mentioned Ollie Watkins earlier in the, in the show. You know, it's it's quite tough playing the lone striker in Aston Villa team, I think. You know, you, you do sometimes in some games, you do get isolated and it's quite a difficult job to do. So I think that needs to be case in point. And, and really, I can't really argue with this one, Kian, to be honest. There's not much, you know, I, I could do it for the purpose of the show and, and do, do play devil's advocate, but... <laughs> There's no real point because I completely agree with it. Um, you know, it's. I think I think we need to give players time always and give people time to adjust and you will see the best. And if you get behind players, you give them support, then obviously from the player's perspective, they've got to show a willingness to improve and, and do well for the team and determination. You know, like Trezeguet, even if he's not playing well, he still puts a shift in, you know, that type of stuff. You, you need that as a fan. I think even like the, the one that you, you mentioned, I think was, was case in point was Wesley and it's like... Who knows if he's going to come back um, as the player that he was um, and player uh, and like you know fans that don't like him will say well he wasn't that fucking good like do you know what I mean so, <laughs> so yeah. you, you do have that but I do personally think that with somebody like Wesley you, you know you need to give them time um, because obviously uh, just the type of player that he was that the style of football that we were playing that probably maybe didn't suit him. Um, I think he did need to do a little bit more to kind of, as you said, yeah. you know, give the fans reason to get on side with him yeah. um, and give him support. But um, I think there is a player there in him. Um, I think, um, yeah, uh, there, there is there is certain players where you, that you can see a little bit of talent and you just need to give them a bit of time. And like the amount of people that, that rode off Trez, you know, last year was unbelievable. Said it was like the most useless player you've ever seen. And like you can see, you could see the talent that was there. You can see, you, you know, we just need a bit of confidence and, and, and like to get up to speed with, with, the, with, the, with the team. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely my, probably my biggest gripe in football is, is players or as fans writing players off way too soon. And then literally going, oh, well, you know, I, I just want to be proven wrong. And I'm like, no, you've been giving that guy abuse all season long. Do you know yeah, what I mean? You, yeah, don't, yeah. you don't get to just go, oh, well, sorry, I was, I was I, wrong I, about I, it. I think it affects your perceptions going forward as well. Though. Even even if you, uh, and I, I've, I'm sure I've been guilty of this. If I, if I take a position on a player or take a position on a certain thing, uh, and then it turns out not to be wrong there. It turns out to be wrong. You know, you still, you're still, most people, but human nature are quite stubborn about that. So they'll, as soon as they're proven wrong, they'll be like, yeah, hold up. Yeah, fair enough. But then if something happens in the next game and they're proven right because the player doesn't play as well, they'll be like, oh, well, God. see, I told you. Yeah, you know, I told you it was bad. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. things, you know, uh, we're not, Aston Villa at the moment are not 
top four level where they're going to play game in, game out. They're going to be seven, eight out of ten. You know, it's going to be good games, bad games. It's going to be one of those seasons. Uh, you'll hopefully finish mid-table. And that that will be reflected in the players' performances, I think. But so, yeah, for that reason, yeah, I, I think that goes in Didier Six. So, well done. So, yes. so, so well done. You've got uh, two out of three. Everyone seems to be getting two out of three. And I'm, I promise you, it's not by design. It's just the way it's happening. Uh, and if you know, if you've got all three that are that I think are worthwhile getting in, then they'll all go in. So you've got so that's two points each. So that's four four out of six you've got. So well done. You're you're joint top with uh, about twenty five million other people. But... <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll take it. I don't I'll take it. it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens in the season. We might have a bloody tiebreaker at this rate. Uh, no thanks well done and um, thanks for your time Keen. i really really appreciate it it's been really really good to talk to you and it's been a really interesting show good insight about what you do great chat nostalgic chat about some of the famous irish players and, and i thought a really good interesting conversation about what's gone on in the season so far and, and what we can expect from the arsenal game so thank you for your time tomorrow absolutely loved it it's been a pleasure seeing your beautiful face um, <laughs> I hope to come on again soon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, for you listeners, you won't be seeing much of it because, uh, as I said, we try and do audio mostly. Uh, now and again, yeah. we'll do we'll do YouTube if it's if yeah. it warrants it. Maybe I'll put this one up as well. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. Now, you've, now you've said that. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, thanks for your time, Kieran. Really great uh, to have you on. Hopefully, we'll have you back on again soon uh, at some point. But, yeah, uh, thank you for listening again. Uh, guys uh, thank you for your support uh, and subscriptions as well please do remember to subscribe to us on any any major pa- podcast platform or on all of them uh, spotify and apple tend to be the two main ones but yeah please do subscribe and follow us on twitter as well at villa podcast or one word uh, please do leave us a rating or a review on apple podcast if you're on there because it helps us a lot uh, but yeah uh, look forward to uh, the game against arsenal on sunday and we'll, like I said, we'll be doing a review of that game straight afterwards. So, so watch out for that. But thank you for your time, Key. And again, uh, thank you for listening. And apart from that, up the villa. Up the villa. I love it. I love it.